ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. I'm going to ask Natalie quickly to explain while you're all here how it works. We don't have the ability, it's not a, we don't have a laptop type of arrangement, and we just can show you, she'll explain the rest of what's going on. <laughs> Nat? I think you explained it quite well. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. Ah, well, we have new presidential announcements today. We'll get to that coming up. But remember one thing that's clear. We need anyone but Biden for president. Get your anyone but Biden mugs and T-shirts right now at StuDoesMerch.com. The code is Stu10 for 10% off. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the bell for notifications. Do all the things. We appreciate it. Jesse Kelly's going to be here to share his anti-communist manifesto. Chris Licht, his brief reign at CNN. Really brief is over. He did last longer than CNN Plus, though, so we got to give him that. Uh, we'll get into his uh, ouster here coming up in a little bit, but we start by doing the equity disparity. We have a, a disparity in the way we think about equality and equity in this country, and we see it manifest itself all the time. Uh, all the Pride Month stuff and all of the boycotts and the crazy videos you see on YouTube, uh, all the... Um, uh, the CRT and the, 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 I would you know, argue, overt racism that comes from a lot of these ideas, we see it. It's just, it's just amazing that we, it seems like it comes out of nowhere. You know, Jesse's going to be on in a little bit talking about this and, and where these ideas come from. And it's a really important thing to understand not only where they come from, but what the goal is when these ideas get here. When you see these people doing these crazy things, a lot of times it's easy for us to kind of hit retweet and get angry. But if we don't stop and try to understand what's at the core of what's going on, we will really miss out the dangers that are ahead. So I want to focus on Glenn Lowry for a minute. Glenn Lowry is a guy you may know, and you're going to hear from him here more in a second. He was doing a a speech at the Equiano Project, and uh, they're a a debate discussion and ideas forum. talks about race and culture and politics. And they were talking uh, to Glenn Lowry, who, you know, is a brilliant guy, who has a way of explaining really complicated things uh, to idiots like me, uh, frankly, uh, that I might not understand them. And... uh, It's interesting to think about where this comes from, where it is now, and where it's going. Because we hear a lot about, let's say, uh, racial oppression. And racial oppression is the type of thing that has been talked about for a long time. It certainly was blatantly true in our country's history. In fact, not our country's history, but the entire globe's history. In fact, it's mostly true around the globe right now. Racial oppression is something that is really real. But is that the problem that we should be thinking about today when we're talking about these issues? Here's Glenn Lowry. There's so much to say. Um, I agree with my friend and colleague Shelby Steele that for black Americans, we talk about disparities in race. The problem is not oppression, the problem is freedom. The problem used to be oppression. The problem used to be exclusion, discrimination. The problem today is freedom. We're well into the 21st century. African Americans have equal citizenship before the law in the United States, as a matter of fact. Don't bother me with anecdotes. I'm talking about the basic structure of citizenship. That's a level playing field. 
It's an open field. The ball is in our <coughs> court. The issue is what shall we do with our freedom? Um, I'll quote another great economist, Thomas Sowell, who has taught us that disparities are one thing and discrimination is another. You know, it's, it's interesting to think about that. It's sort of a way of turning the whole conversation upside down. But we don't normally look at it that way. And it's a way of almost taking away your agency. By saying that, for whatever reason, you can go through 100 different groups on this front, but if he, he's talking particularly here about uh, African Americans and their history in this country, you're taking away agency from people if you say there's another group that's controlling you. You are being oppressed by another group, and that group is responsible for everything that you may or may not like about your life. They will not only take away the things that you want, that you love, that you, uh, that you desire, but they, will also, they are also responsible for giving you the things. You think about the way the left looks at this society. Government is there to give you a pathway to some sort of respectable life. That's not a thing that you own. They, you know, they say this all the time. You didn't build that. That was built for you. You didn't drive on those roads. Those roads were built for you. The government is there to give you your self-worth. And the government is there, especially if it's a white evil Republicans, they're there to take away the things you enjoy when you get them. If you look at it the opposite way and say, okay, well, we're responsible for what we get and what we don't get, you're changing the entire dynamic. And a lot of times what the left will do is they'll say, well, I mean, let's be honest about it. We have uh, inequality out there, and it's obvious. When you have inequality, you, the, re the reason you have that inequality is because of discrimination. The, the man is coming down on you. They want to enrich themselves. All of their rules are designed to keep them in power, to make them stronger, to make them richer at your expense. And when the world is described to you that way from basically birth, it's hard to look at it from another way. But if you take a step back and you say, wait a minute, we do see some inequalities in certain groups. We do see those things. Why do we see those things? Or do we see those things because of racial discrimination? Again, Glenn Lowry. The first point is, for black Americans, the problem is the problem of freedom, not unfreedom. My second point is that disparities are one thing, discrimination is another. Disparities are not ipso facto evidence of unfreedom. Disparities are to be expected. There's a deep irony here when the identitarians become group egalitarians. The identitarians are the ones who are constantly telling us about, this is my identity, this is who I am, this is my group, this is my culture, these are my people, don't tread on us, don't culturally appropriate us, we are an integral, distinct, identifiable type. I, I hate that attitude, honestly, I really do. The idea that you are not an individual, you are just a member of a group. There's a large group, those, that group of people do things, those people do things. Like that sounds to me much more like racism than the alternative. The conservative, the libertarian explanation for individuals is talking about them as people. A certain person does a certain thing. And you can't summarize their life experience by the color of their skin or the circumstances of their birth or a cultural situation that they were raised in. You have to look more at an individual person. And you know, it's the left that keeps doing this. The left keeps saying over and over again, 
well, this group is this way. This group is this way. Those people are doing this. Those people are doing that. Well, those people, that used to be like the summary of racism. If you said you people, that was an identifying um, uh, characteristic of you being a racist. When you said that about others, when you grouped people together and you treated them as this sort of monolithic organization that acts one way or another when the reality is you know black people white people whatever color you want to assign there they those people don't act a certain way they're different they're individuals and thinking of people as individuals would go a long way in solving some of the problems that just continue to infect our society um and i think this goes to a, a more fundamental point here which is if all that matters is your culture. If all that matters is the color of your skin, if all that matters is your gender or your sexual identification or whatever other you know, characteristic you want to apply, if that's all that matters, shouldn't we then get disparities? If those differences make you so different, shouldn't we expect differences in income and jobs and all of these uh, different measures that the left talks about when they talk about inequality. They're simultaneously saying everyone should be equal, but at the same time, our cultures are so different, we can't look at each other's at equals. They're, they're, we're totally different groups of people, and all these people act this way, and all these people act that way, but we should expect the exact same outcomes. That doesn't make any sense, and, and Lowry goes farther on this. So you have your blacks, you have your browns, you have your yellows, you have your gays, you have your whatever. How then, since you are so insular, distinct, identity-based, and different, should we expect that you would represent yourselves in equal numbers in every dimension of human activity? That there would be the same number of doctors, the same number of engineers, the same number of financiers, the same number of school teachers, the same number of criminals, the same number of shopkeepers per capita across all these different identity categories, if indeed identity is a real thing. The position is incoherent. We should not expect group equality across every uh, aspect of human endeavor, and we don't see it. And this was Thomas Sowell's empirical point in book after book after book. Everywhere you look in the world, you see disparities, because everywhere you look in the world, you see cultural differences which reflect themselves in human uh, behavior, which then redound to different representations in various areas of, of human activity. So disparities are not ipso facto a problem. Yeah, I mean, we should expect them, right? It's kind of what makes the world interesting, right? People are different. They act different. Their results are different. Functioning in a society where everyone ends up at the exact same place sounds kind of boring. It certainly uh, has not worked when it's been tried in history. Certainly communist societies have had that sort of promise that if we just plan everything centrally, everyone will wind up at the same place. And a lot of times they do end up in the same place. It's just six feet under the ground. Uh, which is not necessarily a good outcome. It's very difficult to try to make everybody exactly the same when they're different. And it's quite insane to assume everyone is going to be the same when they come from different cultures and they have different backgrounds. You're going to see differences, and that's not necessarily bad. I'd argue it's actually good. It's actually good. You get, this is one of the strengths of America. Right? We do have different people here. We're not a homogenous society. We do have people who are really good at some things and, and really good at others. I mean, think about it if you were hiring uh, you know, a, a, a nurse. Are there really good male nurses? Sure, I'm sure there are. Of course there are. But if you're looking for a job that is somewhat nurturing in, by definition, 
you know, females are going to be, generally speaking, better at that job. That doesn't mean you throw out all men who apply for a job like that. But you should understand that maybe there are character traits among women that make them stronger at certain jobs. The same thing might happen with men. And there's not a lot of, you know, uh, uh, female uh, oil rig operators, right? It's a job that's overwhelmingly male. Why? Well, males have different characteristics, generally speaking. So you can understand things generally by looking at groups. But if you try to go down and, and homogenize everybody in that group as the same exact person, you're going to wind up with real, real problems. And of course, it's really insulting when you think about it. When you talk to a group of people and say, well, you can't do it on your own. You're not able to overcome these things. You need the help of the man to get to where you want to be because you're you. You're one of those people who can't quite do it on your own. It's incredibly insulting. And the idea that we should talk about equity rather than equality is sort of the manifestation of that point. When you talk to people over and over again and you say, hey, uh, we, you need our help to get to a place, that's what equity is. Equity is you being unable to accomplish the same things as others. So you need more help from us. That's the equity argument. I think it's poisonous. So why does the left always go this direction? Why on earth do they try to use equity instead of equality? Finally, I want to say e equity is not equality. Equity, and uh, I could name them, but I won't, the writers uh, in the US who are so uh, prominent now in, uh, Ibram X. Kendi comes to mind. <laughs> in, in, in promoting a certain ideology, assert, I see a disparity, I want equity. And by equity, they mean an equal representation. This is not equality. If you use a different standard of assessment in order to achieve equity, you've just patronized me. You've just communicated tacitly that you don't think I'm capable of performing according to the objective criteria of assessment as well as anybody else. I am now your client. I am now a ward. I go or come by your leave. This argument that we blacks must be made equal and you have to open up the doors and let us in, never mind that our test scores are not as great, is pathetic. It's a surrender of dignity. You will not be equal at the end of that argument, even if you get what you ask for. There's no substitute for earning the respect of your peers. If they grant it to you out of guilt or pity, they have just reduced you, not elevated you. Mm, man, that is powerful. That's the type of thing I want my kids to understand, right? You know, as, as a kid growing up, things get tough. You want to have the easiest path to get to what you desire. But you don't realize until you're older that if the path is given to you, it means nothing. And it's really powerful. Now, look, Glenn Lowry is a really smart guy, and he's just going off the top of his head here. But, like, it's, inc it's incredible perspective for not just black Americans, but white Americans and every other American and people all around the world to look at the world as this place that either gives you something or takes something away from you, takes your life and everything you're working for and your personality and your work ethic and your individual characteristics 
and honestly, your entire person out of the equation. Everything, if you look at uh, the country or you look at your life as, 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 a, as a time period in which people do things to you, you don't do things for yourself, you're already a loser. No matter how it turns out, you've already lost. There was a poll that came out uh, a few years ago and it asked people in various countries um, in the world, how do you see life? How do you see your life in this country? Do you see your life as a, you know, as a, as a time where you, know, you have the ability to do for yourself or do you see your life as a, a, a time where you experience people doing things to you? And in places like all over Europe, it was 70 and 80%. I see it as people are doing things for me and to me. I'm essentially the victim in this. A bunch of things are going on and I get victimized one way or the other. The only country that stood out from those polls was America. This is you know, a decade ago now. People in America said, no, you know, you do things in your life and you make your own future. You are the, you are the center of your own story. And for so long, that's what differentiated us in America from the rest of the world. It's why we were kind of the all-star team of the rest of the world. The people who believed that, the believe that they could make a difference in their own life, they came here. And when they came legally, we welcomed them with open arms and we said, you're making us better. Now we're losing that. We're starting to look just like the rest of the world. We're no longer, if we go down this road, we're no longer uh, exceptional. We're just doing the same things everybody else does. We, they all look, at, look to their king, look to their government. Tell us what you're going to do to us or for us today. That's not a life I want to live. And if America turns into that place, we will all suffer and our kids will suffer for generations to come. It's about going to a place where you, you grab the reins of your life once again. And all the stuff that we talk about every day are just that question flaring up in place after place after place. Which road are we going to choose? Which path are we going to go down? Glenn Lowry makes a great case. We'll make sure we tweet uh, a, a, a link to that entire video so you can watch it. It's well worth your time. Jesse Kelly is going to join us next. You don't want to miss that as well. Back in a second. Well, Congress once again allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for, I kid you not, the 79th time. More spending is underway. Uh, it's guaranteed now, at least for the next year and a half or so. As our national debt kind of skyrockets, how are you protecting your savings? Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Uh, the easiest way to do it is uh, go to Birch Gold. They'll help you convert an existing you know, account, maybe an IRA or 401k, into an IRA in gold. You don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa have banded together against the dollar. We know more and more spending is coming. They're attacking every place you can go. Gold is there for you. It's been there for thousands of years. You can text STU to the number 989898. You'll get a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. They get an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers. Birch Gold can help protect your savings as well. Text my name, STU, to the number 989898. Do it now. Take action today. Text STU to the number 989898 for Birch Gold. 
I'm joined now by the one and only Jesse Kelly, host of The Jesse Kelly Show on Premier Radio Networks, First TV's I'm Right with Jesse Kelly, and author of the great new book, The Anti-Communist Manifesto, which is available right now wherever you get your books. Grab your copy this moment. Jesse, how are you, man? Stu, uh, well, I feel like I'm a different person today than other times, like when we've hung out before, Stu. I think next time you're around me, you'll sense an aura of being a world-famous author that kind of radiates off of me now. So I'd, I just want to prepare you for that. might want to bring your sunglasses along. Well, I will say, I mean, it is the most important book of this or any generation. And that quote comes mm -hmm. from the back of your book and also from Jesse Kelly, television mm -hmm. host. Uh, who said that. So I am definitely uh, in awe as we speak. And I will say I am in awe. The book's great. I mean, it's a great book. People should read it. It's a really important book. And as I'm going through it, I'm thinking to myself, like, what's what's Jesse trying to do with this book? And I, it's in a way, it seems like you're trying to wake everybody up to say to identify who our political enemies really are. I think people have this impression that they're just these dopes and suits on TV and they're saying these things and it's Washington and blah, 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 blah. You make the case in, in, in a very convincing manner that that's not who these people are. These people are, are much more scary than that. Can you kind of talk to people about why you wrote this book? Yeah, actually, you nailed it. And in fact, it's why I wrote the book. It's what I try to do on my radio show, on my TV show. I, I view our major challenge is waking people up, Stu, and this is what I mean. Communists in every society where they've ever taken over and destroyed and mass massacred people They've relied on two things, their deception, they lie, they lie about everything, they lie about what they really want. Our communists here, they, they act like there are these different groups and I care about uh, black people and I care about gay rights and I care about feminists and th those are all lies. None of those people care about any of those things. They care about burning down society. They rely on deception and more than that, they rely on the apathy of their political opponents. Because people on the right, people like, people like you, people like me, people like my mom, dad, our, the people we know, we have at least some sort of a moral founding and we have a set of values and it's human nature to project that onto other people. But these people don't share your values at all. And they're not just Democrats. It's not just your liberal Aunt Peggy. These people want to kill billions of people. And that's not, I'm not being over the top to sell a book. The climate people in particular, they believe that humanity is a plague upon the earth. They're trying to get to, quote, net zero. Now, again, I go back to deception. What does that sound like? Sounds like a fancy scientific word, net zero. Net zero means uh, every human's dead. <laughs> You're breathing out carbon. They think carbon is poison. They think you are poison. They think billions of people have to die in order to save the planet. You're dealing with the most genocidal people in the history of mankind not your liberal Aunt Peggy, and unless you get in the right mindset, you can never defeat them. First of all, Jesse, I have an Aunt Peggy, and she's conservative. So I don't know. I mean, I just want you to know, if she's watching, she would not like this uh, this illustration. Sorry, Peggy. Her. Okay, so that's Sorry. what I thought. But it, it, is, it is interesting that, you know, you, you talk about this uh, quite a bit in the book. And I think, cons you know, we talk about communists, and it has this sort of, like, old-timey, uh, you know, throwback era thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Russians, the Soviets, that, that, that day has passed. And I think we went through a decade or two where that was almost the overwhelming thing. The Cold War was over. We won it. Reagan did his job. We're past that. And you really make the case here that these people just don't go away. They, they don't just change their philosophy. They don't just all of a sudden love capitalism or have minor disagreements with us. They're still here and they're working really hard. 
Yeah, it's a religion. No, they don't. You're right. They don't go away. They, again, back to the deception thing, they change their labels. They change the malcontent groups they're going after, but they never, ever go away. Communism is not, isn't about the workers or nationalizing this or nationalizing that. Communism is a religion. It's the religion of the malcontent. They will find the malcontents of any society and use their bitterness to burn that society down. In the Soviet Union, it was the urban poor. In China, it was the rural poor, much different than what they did in the Soviet Union. In Cambodia, it was different. They tried the same thing here. It never worked. Why? Our workers are not malcontented. They it could never hook here. In the early 1900s, when they were trying to get it in, they realized they had to change tactics. About the 60s or 70s, and I write about this in the book, they changed tactics and they realized we have to go cultural. That's where the malcontents are. Let's focus on the civil rights movement. Plenty of understandably malcontented black people in America. Let's get after feminists because they're always mad about something. The gays are always complaining about something. Let's find a different group of malcontents and use their bitterness to seize power and burn everything down. The religion of the malcontent, that's all communism is. Yeah, and you, you talk about that in the book where you know they wanted to go after the factories, but the factories, the people weren't malcontents there, so they built their own factories. And you talk about universities, and this is a really uh, eye-opening part of the book. First of all, it was disturbing uh, in many different ways. One way you say, uh, you know, there's, you're talking about conservatives being kind of surrounded in colleges. There's more than them. And you say, it's not that we're surrounded in colleges. It's that we're enveloped. We are the thong on Lizzo's body. And that was one of the most disturbing images. Um, <laughs> honestly, it was one of the worst moments of my life, Jesse, reading that sentence. Um, but beyond, beyond that, you make a great case on, on universities. You can talk about Lizzo if you want, but also talk to us about these factories for communism. Well, all wars about one. That's that's a funny line with Lizzo. But I do apologize now that you said it back to me, my <laughs> own line. I'm actually a little bit grossed out, too. So I wish if I had it to do over again, I'd do that differently. Stu, OK, good. No, it, look. <laughs> Oh, there's an old saying, it's from a Marine, that says amateurs study tactics, professionals study logistics. He's talking about war. And what does that mean? Now, when we talk about you know, how many troops they have or what's the troop strength, when really, as Napoleon said, an army runs on its stomach. How much food do they have? Can they eat? Do they have access to fresh water? Do they have access to fresh troops, fresh weapons, fresh supply lines? Supply lines are everything. Well, right now, the communists have taken over every cultural institution in America because they control the supply lines, the American education system. The American university system churns out four million, roughly four million new graduates every year. If three million of those new graduates are card-carrying communists who think America is an evil, sexist, racist place that needs to be burnt to the ground, then we're finished. Unless that changes, there is no saving it. You cannot, you cannot exist when you have no resupplies coming and they're resupplied every single year. And we see this now in corporate America. How, how do all of a sudden we have CEOs, these supposed to be high-powered capitalists who hate the country? Hey, let's burn everything down. America sucks. Hey, enjoy Pride Month. How does that happen? Well, they seized the supply lines and made that happen. And we have this old way of thinking on the right, and I understand it, I'm sympathetic to it. Well, you gotta go to college. You gotta go to college to have a good job. Really? When you go to the zoo, do you feel like you have to throw your children in the gorilla enclosure to get the full experience? Because that's what you sound like to me when you say you have to go to college. We have this 1960s way of thinking and we don't understand how truly evil College campuses are now evil, hostile, oftentimes violent places because people don't understand the terrorists, the communist terrorists and the weather underground and other groups of yesterday 
they're either already in your university system as paid professors, I name names in the book, or their children are. We have communist terrorists teaching your little Aiden Jaden and Braden in college to hate you, hate themselves, and hate America, and you're paying them $50,000 a year to do it. I mean, it's something to think about. It's completely insane, right? It's completely insane. You would never, you know, because the left always, they have that statistic, they say, like, one out of every four women go to college uh, are sexually assaulted. And, like, you know the stat, the stat can't possibly be right because moms and dads wouldn't continue to spend $50,000 a year to send their kids to a situation that's worse than the Rwandan genocide. That wouldn't make any sense. Though, as conservatives, we kind of do that. Like, we know this is going to be a terrible, terrible experience. It's going to change our kids for the better. And we continue to do it. And, and you make this argument in the book as well. It's not just college. It starts a lot earlier than that. And I think... We've spent a lot of time talking about universities over the year, and that's really, really important. But that K through 12, man, we're learning how important that is, too. What should parents do if their kids are going to public school? Should they just rip them out? Yes, if you can. Now, I don't like to do this thing of get your kids out of public school, idiots, because that's not fair to people. People have jobs. People don't have options. People aren't made of money. Obviously, if you can, homeschool your children. Believe me on that. If you can't, Get them in some sort of a private school, preferably some sort of a Christian school, something like that, where they can actually get your values. But you got to check out those schools, too. Those schools can be garbage. But if you're in a public school, if your kid is, you have got to start interrogating your child on what they're learning in school. And I mean, in detail, if your child comes home from history class and say, hey, it says something to the effect of, hey, we learned about uh, World War II today. You don't just say that sounds nice. OK, what'd you learn? Oh, we learned about FDR. Oh, really? What about FDR? And that's where you'll find out what kind of history class you have. Well, we learned that if FDR was this hero who saved America, the greatest of American presidents, you should have alarm bells going off all over your head into who's teaching your child about the history of America. My kid came home from school one day, learned about Andrew Jackson, and all he learned was Andrew Jackson was a genocidal maniac. When Andrew Jackson is one of the baddest mofos who's ever walked in this country, the country was built on the backs of men like Andrew Jackson. But if I didn't ask, I wouldn't know. These teachers get to your kids in these schools by doing little things like that, little subtle things. Again, the communist thrives on deception. Yeah, uh, one of the themes of the book, uh, you know, it's called the Anti-Communist Manifesto. We've learned this from Ibram Kendi lately, the anti-racist, right? And I know you're not agreeing with anything that Ibram Kendi ever says, but his point is like, oh, you can't just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. And there's a th that sort of structure, I think, is part of maybe why you named it this, in that like, I think there's a there's a on the conservative side, there's a, a lean toward neutrality. We kind of want that as a society. Like, I think conservatives want to say, look, you guys want to be do your crazy liberal thing. You go do it. We'll do our thing. We'll all live together. Everything will be fine. And you make the case that that is that time has passed. It doesn't work anymore. It's not working. We're seeing the results of it. Can you talk to a little bit about neutrality as a value? Well, we want to live in peace, Stu. You, me, everybody. I mean, I know you. You want to go home and be with your family. That's yeah. what I want to do when I'm not doing my show. I want to hang out with the wife. I want to take the kids to Red Lobster. I want to go fishing. I want to, I want to enjoy my life. That's what I want. That's what we people who have values want. And that's why we've lost. It, you cannot, freedom is not preserved by practicing it. 
You cannot coexist, live and let live your way with communists. You know what we look like when we talk like that? Oh, they can do what they want. And I'm just about freedom and freedom for me and freedom for this and freedom for everybody. We look like the family that's playing a game of Monopoly in the living room with a gang, a murderous gang of home intruders battering down the front door, looking at them thinking, those crazy kids, man, I hope that I hope they figure it out one day. No, 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 no. You have got to start being active and aggressive and offensive or you're all going to die. I try to get this point home. There is no laissez-faire. No more. Those days are gone. You have to aggressively purge these people from your existence or there is more misery and death coming your way than you can possibly imagine. And if you don't believe me, you don't have to open my book. Open a history book and look what these people do when they finally take over everything. It's it's horrific. They, the movies can't be as bad as what communism really is. Yeah, you go through a lot of the history in, in the book as well, which is, is it's, it's, it's amazing to, to look at when it's all laid out like that. I guess like one of the people, one of the things that people might say is communists. Yes, Mao was bad and Pol Pot was bad. And you have these murderous dictators. And sure, there are some people and you, know, you mentioned some of the groups that have attempted it here. There are some today that are you know, Antifa and groups like that that have similar leanings and especially violent tendencies. But the you know, people would say the average person, you know, on the left, they might they might like Pride Month. They might like these things, but they're not they're not ideological communists. Is there a split between essentially like uh, an ideological leader and the useful idiot? What's the split there? And, and how do you see that playing out? Do they just eventually go that way when the option is there? No, there's no split whatsoever. They're one and the same and they have to be treated one and the same. Now, I hope the naive idiot who still votes Democrat every time, because that's what my dad did. I hope he wakes up and realizes what he is and what he supports. But until he does that, I have no choice but to treat him like the others. If, if I have 10 men standing in front of me with ball bats and one of them really, really, really wants to beat me to death. And, you know, a couple guys in there don't really and they're not really into that whole thing. But I mean, I guess if everyone else goes along with it, they'll do it. Do I treat them differently than the ringleader or do I have to handle every single one of those guys the same way? If you are out there supporting Democrats every time you support 13 year old girls chopping their breasts off. You support the anti-white violence and racism that per that courses through this system now. If you vote Democrat every time, because that's what dad did, that's who you are now. Now, you can change who you are, but that's who you are. And, I, and until you change, I have to deal with you the same way I deal with the other. And this is one of those situations where you actually just can change your identity by saying yeah. the diff different. It's not like it's not like gender. Uh, Jesse Kelly, host of the Jesse Kelly show, uh, First TV's I'm Right with Jesse Kelly, author of the brand new book. It's great. The Anti-Communist Manifesto. It's available right now wherever you get your books. Tomorrow, Jesse's going to come on the radio program with myself and Pat to talk about this a little bit more. And I'm looking forward to it. Go out and get the book. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thank you, my brother. I appreciate you, Stu. You know, buying or selling a home is already one of the most stressful things that you can do, and it gets much worse if you're not working with the right agent. Generally speaking, our homes are our biggest investment, and that's a lot of responsibility. You need an agent who can take that seriously, and that's why I talk to you all the time about realestateagentsitrust.com. I wish this service was available in like every other aspect of life. You can just call and be like, hey, I got an electrician, electriciansitrust.com. Why doesn't Glenn start that company? I don't know. Uh, now, look, if you want to get a great real estate agent, you need to go to realestateagentsitrust.com. They'll walk you through the entire process. They'll make it easy for you. And look, a big real estate transaction 
is, is anything but easy. You need someone on your side. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Check it out now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Today, before God and my family, I'm announcing I'm running for president of the United States. We can bring this country back. We can defend our nation and secure our border. We can revive our economy and put our nation back on a path to a balanced budget, defend our liberties, and give America a new beginning for life. President Reagan described us as a shining city on the hill. And above all, he called on Americans to renew optimism and believe in themselves again, to believe in each other. Every time our nation has produced leadership that has called upon this country to do hard things, the American people have always risen to the challenge. And we will again. We just need government as good as our people to do it. I believe in the American people, and I have faith. God is not done with America yet. And together, we can bring this country back. And the best days for the greatest nation on earth are yet to come. God bless you. And God bless the United States of America. Ah, there he is. Pence Mentum is here. That's right. Mike Pence is in the race. Uh, Honestly, at this point, can't you just, like, use AI to produce all of the campaign videos? They all look exactly the same. They all say the same things. They've all got the same pictures. It really is amazing uh, over and over and over again. But Mike Pence is in. Also, Chris Christie is in. He is the, uh, I mean, I was looking at the favorability ratings among Republicans for some of the candidates. I think Trump is plus, like, 55. DeSantis is plus, like, 52. Christie is minus 24. Like, <laughs> you're talking about a group of people who do not like a candidate, Republicans and Chris Christie. And Bergamentum is here. Bergamania, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, who sold his, uh, his um, company to Microsoft for $1.1 billion years ago. He's got some cash. He's, uh, he's got a state that has really good record, uh, you know, really good uh, last few years. You know, a lot of that due to uh, energy. And uh, he's been uh, the governor there for a while. Uh, he has jumped into the race as well. And I could have basically taken the Mike Pence video and put Doug Burgum's face in it, and it would have been the same video. Uh, less military pictures, more landscapes. But lots of crossfades. You would have loved it. Um, let me show you one other video I think you're going to like. Uh, here's Tim Scott on The View. One of the reasons why I'm on the show is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive, disgusting message to send to our young people today, that the only way to succeed is by being the exception. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. I mean... This is a smart thing for him to do. It's, it's tough. You know, Tim Scott, I think, is the guy who deserves to be in this race. He's done, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's reached the level of achievement where you'd think, okay, maybe a presidential race is next. He's been doing uh, decent in the polls as far as that third, you know, that third tier. You get the first tier of uh, Trump by himself. Second tier is DeSantis by himself. That next group, he's near the top of that group. And going on a show like The View, getting some good viral moments like that is a smart way to expand your base a little bit. So we'll see more from all these candidates. We got 18 months of this, so get ready. Get ready, boys and girls. It's going to be a long, long road. Back in a second. It's 
time to breathe some life into your own backyard this spring with FastGrowingTrees.com. Let them help you plant your dream garden with expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTrees.com has plant experts who curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, and trees. Things that will you know, fit your unique climate. This is a huge uh, part of this. When we were planting stuff around, we went to FastGrowingTrees and we were you know, putting stuff around our house. And... We wanted to make sure because we had had trees die because of you know of a couple of freezes that happened here in Texas, and because the trees weren't right for our climate, we got trees that now work for our climate from fast-growing trees, and they've been great ever since. If you don't have the green thumb, I don't. Uh, you need to go to fastgrowingtrees.com. You get customized recommendations based on your specific needs. Plus, their plant experts are always there to help you if you need them. Uh, Fast Growing Trees, a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. You know everything will look great, fresh out of the box. Join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash stew. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash stew. Get 15% off your entire order at fastgrowingtrees.com slash stew. Late last week, we did a segment on the show about Chris Licht, a guy at CNN who was running the show there, and this big profile that came out that really just trashed him. Uh, largely, and his tenure at CNN. And uh, it was unclear what was going to happen. Well, we found out kind of today what happened. Now, before Chris Lick took this job, he was at, I think, Colbert. And he went to Colbert. He went to some of his other big allies and said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about taking this job running CNN. And they all said the same thing to him. Don't do it. This is going to be a terrible, terrible mistake. Well, a year later, uh, you know, you got to say Colbert was right on this one. Chris Licht is out at CNN, which is an incredible turn. It happens so, so fast one year. And really, like, I don't think it would have happened today if not for that profile. I think that probably pushed it over the edge, but it was trending in the wrong direction, largely because, you know, you can't take over an organization like CNN and implement these changes and leave a lot of the people in place that were a part of the problem. You know, famously, he tried to promote Don Lemon uh, to the morning show, which was one of his really obviously awful decisions that went up uh, flaming out later on. But, you know, there's a lot of people there who see the world differently and want to be the anti-Trump network. And when Chris Lick tried to change that a little bit, he got massive uh, you know, pushback from inside the company. It's just impossible. And that whole drain the swamp thing, is something that Trump talked about a lot. It's hard to move the country in the right direction when the swamp in Washington is acting up. The same thing is true when you take over a company like CNN. If you don't drain that swamp with the bad actors, there's no way to turn that ship around. Uh, mixing metaphors like crazy there, but you get the point. Chris Licht out at CNN. I'm sure the good thing we can all unite around is that whoever the next person is will probably be worse. Okay, so here's what happened. Sonic, it's the uh, fast food chain, uh, is having a bit of an issue. Um, a New Mexico Sonic employee has been arrested after allegedly losing his bag of cocaine <laughs> while preparing a hot dog. Now, there are many times that losing your bag of camp, uh, cocaine can be problematic. Uh, when you're preparing food for someone, it can be really bad. In fact, they didn't even lose it. It lost it in the hot dog. So a woman, Celine Gonzalez, uh, took a bite of the hot dog and got some white powder uh, in her mouth. She spit the powder out. She doesn't know if she ingested any of the drugs, blah, blah, blah. But we do, do we have a picture of the employee? Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that actually looks a little like Hunter Biden. But I, I'm sure that's, that's not who this is. Actually, I love this. Um, I love this. Uh, the, 
In a court filing, officers claimed the surveillance video from the restaurant showed the Sonic employee, quote, frantically searching for something he lost after making the order. Yeah, I'd be a little frantic too. Cocaine, I think, makes you more frantic than normal, but losing it might be worse than anything else.